0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I feel like, I've, uh, you know, this is always kind of going on, but more, more recently I've acutely been acquainted with uh, tragedy, not personally, but just sort of around me. People in my li- uh, life were just sort of out there. Um, uh, two family members uh, recently diagnosed with cancer, um, you know, and don't really quite know yet what that means exactly. Um, A friend of mine, I think I brought this up here, I know I've brought it up at least elsewhere in the church, a friend of mine uh, recently died of a rare form of uh, colon cancer in her late 30s, and she's married uh, to my friend and former roommate, and uh, they've only been married, they were only married for five or six years, and they have a young daughter, um, two, three years old, you know, just tragic, and it was her birthday on Facebook uh, the other day, this week, is this strange phenomenon where your friends who die still have Facebook accounts and uh reminds you of their uh, birthday is, is happening today. Uh, and of course, uh, because of the recent uh, death, it's all over the, the news feed because so many people are posting on her account. Another friend of mine in the last year, best friend in uh, my first graduate school, master's degree in English. Uh, Uh, We were uh, studying to be teachers together. So you don't have a a thesis when you get a teaching master's degree. You do a capstone assignment. And he and I worked on ours together. Uh, Just died last year. Uh, Again, another person in his late 30s who recently was married and has a young daughter. Um, of just, uh, it was called a diabetic stroke. I don't even know what that is. He didn't even know he had diabetes. Just suddenly like that, the life snuffed out. And again, found out about it uh, through Facebook. um, And the... um, Of course, the uh, sort of reaction of common friends that we had and the well-wishing and just so many people around me uh, who are uh, young married couples who want to have children and cannot have children when they're preventing, they get you are on birth control and they get pregnant when they don't plan to. When they get off birth control, they cannot have children. And then when they finally uh, have a, get pregnant, they have a miscarriage. You know, I mean, it's just this endless, and you don't you don't hear about this. This is happening all over the place <clears throat> because people don't talk about it. You know, there are so many uh, miscarriages in this room that uh, people just don't talk about. Uh, but this is happening all the time, and uh, so many couples who I know who are getting divorced. And again, we just sort of discern through sort of details. We don't hear about it. We discern through details on Facebook of, you know, this spouse has suddenly disappeared from their life, no longer any uh, photographs and and we sent an email saying you know what's going on and this person seems to have fallen off the face of the planet and in fact that person has they've changed their name and gender identity and left the person with children, I mean this is this is happening repeatedly with, amongst our friends in our 20s we were going to weddings now in our 30s all, you know half of our friends are are sort of are getting divorced, not to mention you know perpetual. Uh, natural disasters and war in the news media. You know, just a few weeks ago with the uh, tropical storm and the concern about that and the spin off tornadoes, but you know, that's not the first time and nor is it the last. Here it's tornadoes, and uh, where I grew up, uh, it was earthquakes. At least with tornadoes, you have some warning. You know, I mean, with an earthquake, it just sort of happens with no. Uh, no, uh, there's no siren, you know, to warn you. It, it just happens. And all of this, all that I'm talking about is a result of the fall. Every single one of these things, and it's touched your life, it's touched my life, it's touched the lives of people that you know, it's all the result of the fall of both humanity uh, and creation. These are the uh, thorns and thistles the sweat and the going back to the dust that God spoke about to Adam. You know, for men, the curse of the fall would be that uh, we would labor with uh, unneeded difficulty and futility. Uh, the the idol in the male life is often stereotypically work. So of course, this is going to be the curse. You know, you'll get your fruit from the ground, but it ain't going to be easy. Uh, that's the thorns and thistles of life. Or the, the labor pain and spousal enmity that God spoke about there in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, for women, of course, the, the idol is often in the, the marriage relationship and with the children. And so this is why God pronounces this curse. You know, you will seek... Uh, your husband's love, but he will lord authority over you, and you will bear children in pain and rear them uh, painfully, uh, and this is unneeded. It wasn't meant to be that way. And all suffering in life, whether it's in relationships or these sort of natural uh, disasters and whatnot, seem to flow out of this, out of that that uh, curse of the thorns and thistles and the bearing of children uh, in in pain, All suffering flows out of that, both uh, between humans and uh, with creation, and our relationship with uh, nature. And Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 8. And this is an overlooked aspect of the gospel, uh, the idea of restoration. You know, I'm guilty and we're guilty often in places like the Advent of being very long on talking about uh, redemption in terms of topics like justification uh, and uh, atonement through Christ, you know, grace through faith. Uh, And that is huge, gigantic, important for the, 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 the picture, the equation of the gospel. At least I want you to get that, which is why we... We emphasize it so much, but uh, there's more to the story. You know, this is often overlooked is this idea of restoration. Uh, uh, It's unfortunate that we overlook the the hope of future glory. All this stuff that I talked about, there will be a day when that goes away. You know, that 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 pain will no longer be there uh, because of the work of God through Jesus Christ for us. Now we experience it. Uh, but, but, we wait for a future day of glory uh, with patience in Chapter eight. Paul explains this, and the uh, first several uh, verses of the passage today that we had kind of connect to the beginning of the chapter where paul 's more so uh, honing in on the topic of the Holy Spirit. But at verse 18, if you want to take a look at the bulletin, you can. You don't have to. You could just listen to me. Um, verse 18, Paul sort of switches uh, to what I'm talking about here. Uh, suffering with respect to creation and ultimate restoration and hope. I'll just read it again for you after hearing all that I've said. Paul says, um, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time We wait for it with patience. So he's addressing the suffering, all the suffering that I've been talking about and much more. Uh, There are bigger things, you know, that that happen than even the things that I mentioned, Uh, and and of course, it's so easy to get distracted by that and, and not to realize that uh, there is something better up ahead uh, or to know about it intellectually, but not to, to, to allow it to sort of set into our hearts and to have hope that there is a better day for us to come. And we eagerly, with creation, he says, he personifies creation in this passage. Isn't that beautiful? It's not just us. It's not just us who are eagerly uh, anticipating that latter day, but also the whole created order. The entire universe is is eagerly awaiting this day where uh, creation will no longer be subjected to futility. Um, and uh, we cannot hope in the sort of things that we see today that are beautiful. And you often hear people talk about, you know, uh, I get spirituality by going out in the mountains or whatever, you know, fill in the blank, you know. And Paul's addressing that. He says you can't get your hope in that thing that you see. Actually, there's something even far better up ahead that uh, uh, that you cannot see yet. Uh, and so meanwhile, we must wait for it with patience and the gospel Uh, gives us hope through Jesus Christ and a better state of affairs that has been revealed uh, through the announcement of this day uh, to us to come. And we have similar visions of it elsewhere in scripture. You know, consider the best place to look. The best place to look, Revelation. uh, Chapters 21 and 22 in particular give a vision of uh, the new heaven and earth. And this is elsewhere in Revelation itself and also throughout scripture. But Uh, most pointedly there, at the end of the Bible, the Bible ends not with a sort of, uh, uh, you know, French cinema ending of depression, right? You know, I used to live in France and all French movies end except for Amelie uh, with a sort of like quizzical kind of question mark. The Bible doesn't end that way. The Bible actually has a happy ending of a new heaven and earth and there God will dwell with humanity and there will be no more sorrow, death and pain But all things, all things will be made new. That is to say, will be restored. And the river and tree of life will give their water and fruit freely. Free for the taking. No longer laboring in futility in the thorns and thistles. But there's the water. You know, you don't need to take the bacteria out. You can just drink it from the stream. And there's the tree of life. Eat its fruit. And of course, that's talking about Jesus. And there will be no more darkness. Uh, but light, and darkness is this pall of all that suffering and death and turmoil and cancer and depression and divorce that I'd talked about. No more, but only light and hopefulness. Uh, And there we will see finally God face to face. Or you can consider Isaiah. Isaiah talks about this too. Uh, There will uh, no longer be predator and prey, he says. Uh, No longer will uh, predatory animals or people Prey on other animals or people. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den." They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Or you might just consider the words of Jesus Christ uh, in his Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount, where here it's not about the created order like we've seen uh, in Revelation or here with Isaiah, but human to human you know relationally or internationally nation to nation blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied Uh, you know now it seems really bad uh, but all that will be flipped, all of that pain will be flipped on its head, and uh, the opposite will be true. All will be, be made right, reordered, and brought to justice, or provided with peace and purpose, and not just us, but also uh, the whole created order. Meanwhile, as Paul explains, we experience suffering here and now. Uh, you know, we know we have this knowledge, and this is the difficult part of the Christian life is to know this intellectually, right? Uh, but to, to you can know that intellectually and turn around and, and live a minute later as if you didn't know it, you know, because the heart really rules the life. And, you know, maybe this is true for you. Maybe uh, you feel what I'm talking about in terms of your work or vocation or wherever it is that you find meaning, even if you're retired. Uh, maybe there are times when you think, you know, what is it that I'm doing exactly? And I, I hate my job and my boss, or I just feel sort of meaningless. So maybe you have fulfillment in work, that's great, but so many people don't, you know what I mean, who just sort of go to the cubicle under the fluorescent lights and hate it and just, you know, can't wait for the, you know, work 50 weeks a year and can't wait for the two that they get off, you know? Um, or maybe it's health. Uh, if it's not now, it will be for you and people you know. You know, you uh, all the people at your dinner table, only one of them eventually will live longer than everybody else, you know? At, at your dinner table, all of us will experience most of everyone else at that table dying, you know, because of... Uh, because of health concerns and illness and disease and cancer. Or maybe for you, it's mental health, uh, depression, or just sort of a constant state of feeling alienated by life or uh, wanting to find love and relationships and a family and just feeling like uh, it's sort of a constant armistice between you and everyone in your family. Or maybe you're single, you know, can't find the compatible one online, or maybe it's a a struggle with uh, addiction or lack of self-control, or maybe a searching for identity. You know, so many people trying to find identity in things that ultimately lead uh, to sort of futility and not fulfillment, or maybe discouragement by uh, present political situations and human authority. Or maybe it's been a natural disaster, you know, a flood without flood insurance or whatever. Something has struck in your life. The gospel addresses all of these things, whatever it is for you. All will be redeemed and restored. Let me give you one image of what this might look like exactly. And this is just one. You know, listen to this story. Uh... And allow it to be a symbolic substitute uh, for whatever uh, needs you have that need to be eternally restored. I'm going to tell you the the story of the song Amazing Grace. Um, Do you know that song Amazing Grace that's so often sung is written by a guy named uh, John Newton. and I've recently come across this several times. Isn't that funny, you know, where you hear a story sort of like providential, that something must be going on. And I first read it in this uh, book called Unapologetic by Francis Spufford, where he talks about the story behind Newton's Amazing Grace. You know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And Spufford says, wretch is actually a very polite word for what John Newton, the 18th century author of Amazing Grace, was. John Newton was a slave trader. He made his living transporting cargoes of kidnapped human beings in conditions of great squalor and suffering to places where they and their children and their children's children would be treated all their lives as objects to be bought and sold and brutalized. Some of John Newton's contemporaries, the ones who weren't chained below uh, decks in their own excrement, may have thought that his profession was only a bit unrespectable. We, on the other hand, recognize that he was participating in one of the world's greatest crimes, comparable to the Holocaust. Wretch? John Newton was a horror. But at least he came to know it. At least he made the journey from comfortable acquiescence and horror to an accurate and therefore horrified sense of himself. At least he learned that something was wrong. An amazing grace is a description of the process by which he began to awaken. And here's the kicker. The wrinkle is that he wrote it before he gave up slaving. He wrote it under the impression that he had already seen the stuff he should be worrying about booze and licentiousness, presumably, and playing tiddlywinks on the Sabbath, and not running a slave ship with a swear box screwed to the mast. In the Holocaust analogy, it's rather as if a death camp guard had had a moral crisis but over cheating his colleagues at poker and then continued to come to work soaking the ovens while vowing shakily to be a better person. Yet Newton's guilt, once found, wouldn't leave him alone. It went on gradually showing him dark, accurate visions of himself. It went on changing him until eventually he could not bear the darkness of what he did daily and gave up the trade and ended his life as a penitent campaigner against it. Did you know that that John Newton wrote that song while he was still a slave trader? We often hear the story and think that he kind of wrote it after. We, maybe we know that history, but he wrote it while he was still in the slave trade and for years. And the beautiful thing about that story is, of course, that he, he came to realize the horror of what he was doing. He became a campaigner against the slave trade in England. But here's the most beautiful thing for me about it is that that is a song that's been owned by the African-American church, Amazing Grace, and sung every Sunday. That's a vision of the restoration that I'm talking about. You know, things like that in life that we get a taste of here and now, it'll be like that uh, in the new heaven and the new earth to an infinite degree. You know, whatever it is in your life that's in need of restoration, just like uh, for John Newton. Paul's final verse in our passage today says, If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Or as he said elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. You know, meditate on these words every stinking day. (laughs) And this idea of the future hope, this is an aspect of the gospel. Uh, Hold in your mind uh, that the sufferings of this world, no matter how horrible, are temporary. My family members with cancer will be healthy again one day. Maybe not in this life, but one day they will. My friends who have died premature deaths will live again. Parents with miscarried children will meet their sons and daughters they've never known. The wind will no longer blow violently and the earth will no longer shake violently, wreaking havoc and bringing about death. And our work and labor and vocation will not be in vain, but have meaning and a sense of purpose. The restoration we will know is far better than what we know now. For now we wait and live in light of this confidence with eager expectation. And that's the thing, the knowledge of the future hope, that is to come, and to live in this present life in light of that knowledge. Uh, That's uh, how we need to live. And I beg you to begin to apply this hope uh, to your present life. Whatever your circumstances are, it's not the end of the story. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.